Before we start the show, I just wanted to reach out and say that if you are loving listening to The Truth Prescription as much as we are loving making it, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, to name a few. And come check us out at www.thetruthprescription.com to get more insights and info, because the truth will set you free if you let it. What is what's really going on inside of you? And at the base, it's probably just a whole lot of anger and rage. So feel that shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, feel it, write truly. about it, scream, go, you know, take acting, whatever, whatever you need to do. But you got to feel it because when you feel it, then you start really getting to actual feeling yourself. Like who the hell, you know, what, what am I? Who am I? Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, Welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gathers, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Good people, what's going on? Hope everyone's well, staying healthy, staying safe. Looks like we're coming around the bend to the end, at least the beginning of the end of the pandemic for the moment. Today I am in the hot seat. Once again, I'm on uh, Dr. Wayne Purnell's show called The One Sharp Sword, Cutting Through the Bullshit. <laughs> And uh, it's a good episode for you guys to check out for a multitude of reasons, but also get to learn a little bit more about me. Some things you may have heard before, some things you may be new to. So uh, I talk about, you know, my childhood and some of the abuse, some of the physical abuse that I went through, sort of how that led me to attracting abusive relationships and then how my tipping point was when I contracted hepatitis when I got sick. We go on, I talk a lot about the idea of choice and how, you know, certain relationships, especially my divorce, made me realize the importance of choice and that we all have choice. I talked a little bit about my, you know, my work, um, how I'm transitioning, still love medicine, but transitioning away from medicine to do more um, film and creative things. And lastly, we talked about anger and what a great tool it could be to uh, help you or help one actually achieve certain milestones, certain successes. Doesn't all have to be um, bad. I think anger properly utilized can be a great can be a great tool. So we talk about that. And that's that. So I hope you enjoy and love you all. Be good. Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. Wayne Purnell, Dr. P, the outfluencer, also known as the Powerful Presence Mentor. Today is a super special day. I met this gentleman. My guest today is Dr. Seku Gathers. Yes. Dr. G. Yes. I met, yes, I met you about a year ago. Um, I was actually on your podcast, The Truth Prescription, which is amazing and uh we'll we'll tell people how to reach you there your story is one of the one of the reasons that uh, that uh, i don't know there was resonance with us is that we both had sort of a bounce 
very similarly. I didn't have a life-threatening illness, but I had, you know, my life was upside down and it was in my bounce. I call it my pizza story <laughs> when I realized that I'd been going along to get along. I'd given away pretty much all of me. Yeah, all your power. You have a have a story where you were faced with a life-threatening illness. You were going through a divorce. You were living on barely anything <laughs> and had to turn your life around and realize that that was a huge gift. Yeah. Because the, the doctor part of you, by the way, is uh, for our audience, is you're an ER doc out of New York City right. during a time that is a very strange time. Curious. In our, we call it in curious. Our... <laughs> it's a curious time. <laughs> So talk a little bit about your bounce. Talk a little bit about where, like, what turned your life around? How'd you get here? Yeah, well, first of all, Dr. P, thanks for having me on uh, this, your program, your show. It's important to, as you say, cut through the bullshit and get to the <laughs> essence of what is true, which is uh, what I try to do on, on my show, The Truth Prescription. A friend of mine once said that we all have a time in our lives when something happens and then you basically put your middle finger up to your consciousness, like, screw you, I'm just going on my own trip now. And what happens when we have these traumatic events is we kind of get off kilter and off the railroad, you know, off the tracks, and we have to find ourselves again. And when I say ourselves, like our true selves, who we really are, why we really here, and function, as I talk about it, from the inside out, not the outside in. So, for me, it started way back around like age nine. I had a series of traumas. So around age nine or 10, the, the memory is fuzzy, but I was molested by a, a neighbor, older adolescent. He was around 14 or 15 at the time. And that sort of took me in this, this really weird direction of just kind of being very introverted and not really knowing how to take it and not telling anybody. And I um, was having a lot of pain and trauma around it. And then fast forward, I got married to someone um, who I wasn't really compatible with. And some of the same feelings and emotions that happened when I was molested sort of resurfaced. And that was sort of why I made the decision to marry this particular person. She was abusive in her own right. But I attracted that, right? Because that was sort of the, the path that I was on of feeling like the victim. So I must, you know, my role in any relationship is to be a pleaser or to be the one, like my needs don't matter. And that's how I approached a lot of relationships because I was sort of still um, scarred from that other situation. So that happened. And then, you know, if, uh, this is all after finishing med school. I was in, in residency and I contracted hepatitis from a patient. That situation completely derailed me again because now I, I was in a, a position where I had to take care of myself. So the doctor was basically like, my doctor was basically like, well, you can either take this medication. It's going to be really difficult, but you're not going to be able to work. And uh, you're probably going to have to go on disability. And, you know, your lifestyle is going to change because you, you may need to be on this medicine for at least two years. That's eventually what happened. And around that time, things just really dissolved between my wife and I. The, I would say the fantasy was gone, right? Because I was, I, now I'm not, I'm no longer a doctor, really. I mean, I'm still got the degree, but I'm not working as a doctor. That fantasy has gone. 
I'm making at, at one point I was making like it was around a thousand or twelve hundred dollars a month or something like that. So the income is gone. And so around that time she left and it was just me left all alone in this house that was I couldn't pay the mortgage on that was eventually for, got foreclosed on. But I was just sitting there by myself realizing all there is is me <laughs> and I have a choice. I can either sit here and die or I can take this medication and try to, you know, bring myself back. And so the truth for me, that was the start of my show, the the, the culmination of of understanding that a lot of times we ignore truths. And the truth that I had ignored for so long is that I believe that I was a victim and that. And therefore, I functioned and operated in that sense. And once I accepted that, I was able to change it. So that's a short version of the long story. (laughs) Amazing, right? I love the, I realized all there is is me and I have a choice. That's that's the magic. And if if that's what anybody can get out of what we're doing today, that is the magic. I realized all there is is me. Yeah. And I have a choice. Yeah. And in the in the powerful presence program, step one is recognize that you get to choose to step into a greater you. You were sort of contained in your own little egg. And it was at that point that you sort of pecked your way out and you're like, <laughs> oh no, I'm bigger than this, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I and I I've created this. I don't deserve this. And now, you know, what am I going to do? But the the point that you just made, I think that took me even longer to, to really realize, like one thing I want your listeners to know, and I know you understand this as well, is that there's a difference between knowing something and understanding it. I can read an article and say, oh, okay. I can read an article, let's say about a refugee and say, oh, okay, I, I know this. But until you've lived as a refugee, you don't understand what that whole process is, is really about. And for me, the idea of choice, the fact that I literally have a choice in everything, I didn't really understand that too many, many years later. So that it it takes time to understand that you really have a choice. But people that are listening, trust me, Dr. P knows this, you have a choice. Everything you do is a choice, period. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Talk a little bit about your recovery. How did you, you know, one sharp sword is about cutting through to what matters most, which means you're cutting out what no longer matters. And talk a little bit about how you climbed out. Like you decided, okay, I have this choice. Right. And I'm not going to just sit here anymore. Okay. (laughs) What did you, because choice also requires action. Sure. Right. Sure. Yeah. Again, I gave the, the summary, the cliff notes version, but there was a, was a point some months before where I started treatment and failed because I wasn't at the point yet where I had enough self regard, I'll call it to commit to the treatment protocol, which was daily injections and daily pills. And so I sort of failed that first time. The second time I went in, I had to basically rededicate again. This is a life or death situation. If I don't take this medication, I'm looking at worsening uh, liver function, cirrhosis, which is basically when the liver shrinks up And it's no longer functioning. And then after cirrhosis is, you know, liver, you need a liver transplant. But people with transplant, they don't, they just don't do well. So my options were were very clear. Take care of yourself, something that life's been trying to teach you for a while that you're not listening to, or basically leave the planet. You're going to die. And so when, when it was clear that those were the two choices, I made a commitment. I self-committed to, I'm going to do this regimen. And so 
for it was about a year and a half, I injected myself every day and took these pills every day. And these injections were painful and it was just tough. I was underweight. I was probably like right now, I'm probably 179, 80 pounds. I was 130 pounds, 120 pounds. I wasn't eating because I wasn't hungry because the medicine is basically like chemo and makes you nauseated. I was so weak that it, just to talk to people on the phone was 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 just too much. And so really, I really had to just dedicate to doing doing the things that I knew would kind of get me out of recovery, get, get me to recovery. Because after the first four months, the doctor was like, oh, your viral load is, you've been doing this. I can tell your viral load is, is now zero, but you have to continue to take the medicine for about another year um, to make sure that, you know, it, does, it doesn't come back. So once I, I did that, the dedication, I remember it was October because it was the reason I remember my last injection because it was the day of the New York City Marathon. It's October 31st, 2010. My dad in celebration, he took me because I was living on Long Island. He took me into Manhattan to a hotel and we kind of hung out in the hotel and we could see the runners. It was really, just a really nice memory. Um, but that was the start. And, and I'll let you jump in. I don't even want to jump in. That was the start of the physical healing. That was the start and end of the, the physical healing. But the next stage was the emotional healing. Along the way, did you have this image? Because you had a I mean, over a year, year and a half, almost two years of injecting yourself every day, feeling sick every day, feeling like, uh, did you have an image of what the outcome would be? Because it's, you know, at some point you go another day, another injection, another day of feeling crappy. Like, why bother? Yeah. Unless you've got this, I know there's an outcome that is greater than where I am now. Did you have that in mind? That's an interesting to question. I didn't. I, I really didn't. I really took it one day at a time because there was a couple things going on with me at that time that was really life teaching me patience. One was my divorce. My divorce from, from end to end took three and a half years, which is like unheard of. And yeah. I had to actually go. And every, you know, every month I'm thinking, all right, this is going to be the month it's over. And so I had to be very patient with that process and really take it one step at a time, not knowing, and, you know, it's interesting Taking one step at a time, not knowing where the end is, is, is yes. tough, right? But often that's life. Life is often like that, that you kind of... It's, it's very interesting. Here's something for you to think about, yeah. right? You took your last injection on the day of a marathon. Yes. Now, a marathon, nice. a marathon has a finish line. It does, yes. People right around, just around two thirds of the way through the marathon, they're like, I'm done. You know, like I'm <laughs> done, just done. But they keep going. They yes. keep going. I've run four half marathons. Nice. Which is 13 miles, yeah. right? So right around mile nine, I'm like, can a cart just kind of come and pick me up? I just don't want to. I'm like, I'm done, you know? And and what what happens is there's a mindset shift sure. that goes, like for me, it's like, Wait, I'm at mile nine. Mile 13 is the finish. I know how to run four miles. Yeah. Right. And so at some point you go, all right, mm, I've run this marathon. And you knew, I guess, coming up to it, which is, it's kind of cool that you did. You finished your last injection yeah. on the day of a marathon. Yeah, that is cool. So with the body, it's a little bit different because, and the treatment is a little bit different because they couldn't tell me definitively. They knew about the time, but they couldn't tell me definitively like when it would be. And it was, I think my last visit 
before that last injection was a month before. And she said, you know what, you've had, you've had, you know, X amount of numbers for about 17, 16 months. I think you just need to do one more month and you'll, and you'll be good. You've been testing negative. And so that's how I knew, but it took me basically just having faith and doing, doing it just day in, day out to get to a point where someone could tell me, oh, you've got a month left. You know, so that yeah. that's that's the tough part. Because some, sometimes in life, like we're doing stuff and we don't really know where the end, the end point is going to come. Right? right. We just have to, you know, have faith that we know that we're doing what we can do. We're doing the right thing. That's huge. That's huge. Right. Marathon runners know that it's a 23 mile race. Yeah. Or 21.2, something like that. <laughs> 23.6 i don't know 13.1 so 26.2 26.2 right yeah. yeah so marathon runners know there's a there's an end yeah you were running a marathon where the finish line kept changing right it was unclear and same, same thing with the divorce like every time we'd go into court it'd be like oh it's gonna be done my my ex-spouse would be like yeah okay we agree to these things and we'll be done in, in two months we go back in two months they're like we don't know what you're talking about. We never said, we, you know, so wow. it was that for three and a half years. It was, it was crazy. It was crazy. And it's interesting. I mean, right now, as, as we record this, we're yeah. coming into the third month of a stay at home yes. order due to a pandemic and the targets keep changing. Well, you can go out, not really, but you could go out with a mask, but not really. Well, you can. And so there's a lot of the same kind of psychology that's happening now, which is, will this ever be done? And how are we going to get through? And the faith is we will get through. We will. We this will. is hard. We will get through. We will. That's the, that's yeah. tricky. The tough so, part um, is in the process, staying sane, right? Staying yeah. sane, not knowing the end point. That's, that's tough. It's tough. It's, it can be tough. done, but it's tough. It is tough. You know, what's interesting is you start to look at what matters, you know, and that's part of the process that I'm certain you went through. That was part of your bounce. What I call the bounce is like, dang, everything's falling apart, right? Boom, now what? <laughs> now, you, now you come back up. The bounce, I like that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's at some point when we grab a hold of our lives, it's at a point where we go, there's more. There has to be more. And I am bigger than this point in my life. Yeah. Boom. And it's not like, oh, I mean, for some people, they hit rock, rock bottom. Sure. You know, for for most of us, it's sort of like where I am isn't where I want to be. I know I'm bigger. Let's go. And you don't even know what the fight is going to be, but you know you have to do it. You know, you know yes. you have to climb this mountain. Yes. Without knowing how tall it is. So right. So you did it's it. Tough. Right. Yeah, I did, did it, it, and I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm still. There's still. I think um, as time goes on, the lessons get subtler and subtler. They're not as like in your face as a life-threatening disease. They become like stuff like, hey, I'm snacking too much at night. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this business idea that I'm trying to figure out and I keep running into this frustration. So it just, I think it still goes on. You just, it just becomes a little more subtle. That's awesome. I'm writing, I'm making notes because that's awesome too. Life lessons get more subtle. Yeah, um, for at least at least that's what I've seen for me. They've got they've gotten a lot more subtle. I remember my mother used to tell me, the older you get, what did she used to say? The older you get, the more your decisions have consequences. Something something along those lines. 
I'm not really sure how that relates to to the subtlety, but anyway, that just came to my <laughs> to my mind. So, well, we we honor your mom, you know. Yes, <laughs> that's, yes, that's awesome. Yes, yes. I, you know, today just using that the the idea of what we do today gives us either consequences or results. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, sure. so for those of us staying at home, right, sheltering in place, staying at home, the way we're living our lives is really affecting what happens two months down the road, three months down the road. You know, what are you eating? How are you exercising? What's your mindset? Like, is it, oh, you know, everything like the world is exploding or imploding and (laughs) why bother? Or is it when we're out of this, this is what I value, right? Mm, Yeah. And it was your values that carried you through. So talk a little bit about what you're doing now. Like, you are an active ER doc, yes. right? emergency room doctor. Right. You're like a superhero. You're saving <laughs> lives every day. And so I'm I'm board certified emergency medicine. I'm an ER doc. I don't spend as much time there as I did, let's say, before my uh, illness. Since leaving, when I left the emergency department and I came back, I just kind of came back really less than part time, four or five days a month. But um, with the pandemic, I had worked a little bit more because there was a, a little bit more of a need. You know, I was listen, like, listen, I have the skills, I have the talents. If I can, add, you know, add some benefit to this, I'll do it. But my main thing is I, I run, um, obviously, you know, about the truth prescription. And so that's a whole thing that requires time and, and articles and interviewing folks and, and reading and, and reaching out to the listeners I have a, a pain management business which consists of four clinics and we really do like, I call it more holistic. We don't do a lot of like narcotics. We do a lot of trigger point injections and, you know, massage therapy and acupuncture and, and, and those more, more natural uh, healing modalities. And then recently we opened the podcast studio, which closed with the pandemic, but podcast studio has been great meeting a lot of people from all over the city coming in, using the space to, uh, to record their, their show. So you know, at heart, I'm a creative guy. I've done, uh, I was putting together a, um, I don't know if you know this uh, about me. I was putting together a, a, a creative resume because I had to apply to a, for a grant. And I've done like eight films since 2016, either produced, directed, or written short films. So, you know, that's really the, the direction, you know, media, film, um, communication. That's really the direction my life is going at this point. Um, I still love medicine. Medicine has allowed me you know, to help people and interact and heal and, you know, but I always say you got a left brain and a right brain. So I really like using both of them. And um, so that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm, where I am now. Uh, So actually I didn't know that about you, which is fabulous, right? (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. You know, I knew you did the truth prescription as a creative outlet and a way of touching more people's lives. Sure. And it's, it's an amazing show. I knew you were uh, an ER doc and that that was slowing down. Yeah. But I didn't know you'd done, (laughs) you'd done films. Yeah. So talk, talk a little bit about that. Like what have been, what were the subjects and what's the next project you're working on? Well, let me jump into, so I talked about basically the body, you know, healing the body. When I came out, part of my emotional healing was actually acting school because I realized that I had been really living someone else's life and I wasn't authentic. And part of performing when you're, when you're an actor, you have to give an authentic performance. If you don't give an authentic performance, the audience knows and they don't feel it. 
And so there's something about standing there doing your monologue or doing a scene with a scene partner and you're completely engrossed in that moment and you're true to yourself. Even though you're playing a different character, you're standing in some truth. That helped me, helped me with a lot of things, but just at a very basic level, learning how to just be authentic and, and real and be able to emote and be expressive. And so through that process, one of my acting school teachers was like, hey, you're a good writer because we would have to write scenes sometimes. He's like, you're a really good writer. Why don't you write a short film and we'll shoot it? And I was like, okay. <laughs> so that's where it started. And my first film was actually about dun, 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 a pedophile who meets his victim. And, you know, after 30 years after getting out of jail and they have a conversation about what happened and they don't agree on the, the details of what happened, but it comes to a, a, a you know, a, a, we'll say a, um, exciting conclusion. So that was my first film. I've done, I mean, I've done so many. That had to have been cathartic for you. It was, it was, you know, at the time I didn't think it was, but I think it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you've been it carrying was. it around, yeah, right? Carry, I think it was. Carrying that story was. around. And yeah. in terms of truth, there's so many truths. And, for you know, when you carry something for that long, we have this psychological need to bolster ourselves against the real truth while we carry the harshness with us. And so things get distorted. And, and so what comes out, what's, what's real is what's real now. Right. Right. It's the story yeah. you tell yourself now. And so, wow, being able to put your put your words on a page and then have it turn into a film. That's yeah. that's something. And a film that was shown in a film festival, Chelsea Film Festival in 2016. So that was that was great. If I could just put them all together, a lot of my films really deal with exposing what's real. I mean, ultimately different stories, different, but that's really what it's about. The one I did last year, which was in the Newark film festival. I produced that one was about a, a guy who's in a, who's a racist. He's a racist. He's a Trump supporter. And he's in this virtual reality world. And he's talking to this other guy who he thinks is also a racist, but he finds out that it's actually his black grandson at the end. And so everything about, what he thought is just was just completely off, but they go on their own journey and conversate about many things. So, you know, that's, I think that's the, that's really the the crux of, of what I do. The what's coming. I hope, uh, like I said, I've done eight shorts. I hope to do a feature film, I've written a, a script, feature film script. I've been working on it. It's like two years. It needs some work, but, um, yeah, that's the next thing to try to do a feature. Um, that's awesome. This particular... I'm smiling so big right now. I just, I, I can't wait. Like what comes <laughs> out of you is, you know, what comes out of you is so thoughtful. It's so, it just, it's thought provoking. It's thoughtful. It's heart centered. Thanks. Just Thank so you. good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Yeah. one life to live, man. That's how I feel. <laughs> one life to live. So you got to get it that's done. A, yeah. So what... <laughs> <laughs> You're like really thrown by this film thing. <laughs> well, it's so good. It's like, wow, this this whole new part of who you are, which right. is so fabulous. If you were to offer advice to somebody coming to you saying, well, I feel like I've been going along to get along. I feel like I've been giving my life away to other people doing, I've made nice in the world. I've I've been playing low, you know? And I know it now, but how do you play bigger, right? If, if someone actually were able to put those words together 
what would you say to them? I've been playing small and I know it. And I know I've been giving my life away to uh, small choices, right? Yeah. I tell them, get mad, get angry, get fucking pissed off. Use that energy to your, to your, to your benefit, to your advantage. Like there's no motivator, like, you know, like anger properly placed. Like I'm not saying go out and you know, start shooting people and beating people up, but you know, th- that was one of the things that hit me. Like, I got angry. Like, man, I just been playing myself all these years, just doing all this stuff for other people and not caring about me. And it made me angry. At, and so the anger motivated me to try to do better. And not. And it took a while. Like, I remarried and um, it was it was rocky <laughs> in the beginning, yeah. more so because of me, because yeah. it was hard for me to really let her in. So there's a process, but I think in the beginning, when you're really first trying to get out, you got to find something that's going to motivate you to change. And whatever that is, for me, it was just, just, I was just angry. And I, and I realized like, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, F that's this. awesome. That's part of the bounce. You know, that is part of the bounce that you come out of depression. You come out of depression. You add a little bit of energy when you start to feel just a little bit better when you add just a little bit of energy to depression, you actually get anger. Hmm. And (laughs) it's like, now you have to focus the anger appropriately, which is what you said. And appropriate placement of that anger is on your former self. Yeah. Not on your current self. It's like, how could I let that guy or that gal do that to me? I wouldn't do that to me now. And so you get mad at your former self and that allows your current self to blossom. Yeah. I think the other point that that I would say, and then you just brought it out, made me realize it is, you know, under every emotion is usually something else. So if depression is on the top, usually anger and rage is right below that. So it's really about, uh, it's not even get angry. It's really feel what you're really feeling, right? Because we're walking yeah. around being passive aggressive and trying to please everybody but it's really what's what is what's really going on inside of you. And at the base, it's probably just a whole lot of anger and rage. So feel that shit. <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah, feel it, write truly. about it, scream, go, you know, take acting, whatever, whatever you need to do. But you got to feel it because when you feel it, then you start really getting to actual feeling yourself. Like who the hell, you know, what what am I? Who am I? And I think that's the that's the that's a great point. Um, yeah. The other the other piece of that is you come to a realization that it really doesn't matter. And this is huge. It doesn't matter what other people think about you. Right. Right. At some point you go, I've given away all of myself, whoever the self was at that point, I've given myself away for what, to whom, and, (laughs) and and do they even know, do they even know that I've given myself (laughs) away and you start to realize it doesn't matter. Yeah. So if I feel like expressing myself, wow. Right. Yeah. What other people think about me is none of my business. Let them think it. Yeah. I'm getting to be bigger, right? Yeah, I think it goes back to that point I made before about knowing something and understanding it. Like, I had a yes. mentor who would tell me that all the time. He would look at me and be like, bro, like, you're, you're living great. You're by yourself. That You're not with her anymore. And But it took time. That not caring what people think is so ingrained in so many of us that it it takes a lot of time, you know, Dr. P, to really, really... I call it exercise yourself from, you know, from that, yeah. that, that thinking, you know, it's yeah. hard. It's all, that's a hard, people that are listening, we're not saying these things to tell you, you know, you should tomorrow be able to just stop care what people think. It takes, it would take two to three years of practicing it every day to really 
get some distance between it. It's hard. It's hard. But so much of our indoctrination growing up is really about pleasing others. And so it is. you really, to, to just completely reverse that is not easy. So be, be patient so with true. Yourself. And it's, even though it takes a little while, it doesn't mean don't start, right? So please start, <laughs> right. start excavating, find out, you know, right. there's this block of, block of marble and you chip it away and and over time is this beautiful sculpture and that's the whole point is we've allowed so much to be caked onto us Mm. that it's time to shake it loose there's a concept called hermeneutics which i think you'd appreciate hermeneutics basically says to know i must understand and to understand i must know and the whole it's a circular kind of thinking it's a philosophy. Mm -hmm. But the piece about it is to really understand, you actually have to put yourself in that space of. So for example, we could say, well, in the 1800s, they were like, why did everybody drive, you know, horse, horse driven carts? Like, why would they even do that? And then you go, well, let's put ourselves in that time right? Why did they do that? You put yourself back in a certain situation, you can look at your life through hermeneutic understanding through, well, this is what I was feeling. This is what I was living. This is what caused this. Now I understand it. And that's the real understand versus no versus yeah. like, you know, yeah. you can the look I, at the it. The way I think about it is under, knowing is in your, in your mind, understanding your body. You know, sure. it's like you just have a that's good a different it's you know it's visceral. Right? Yeah, it's visceral. It, it's like uh, I, I was reading a book. Guy was like, it's like telling me about sex and actually having sex. It's just, you can't like <laughs> you, you, it's completely different. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> right, right. There's no and and that's the other thing, right? There's no way that I'm sitting here in California, a white dude that's grown up very differently. There's no way that I can truly truly understand who you are. I can know a little bit about you. I can feel for you. Sure. I can have empathy. Sure. But I certainly didn't live the life you lived, right? And that's that it's like we need to push to a place of of like extreme empathy to really engage with other people in a way mm. to understand as much as we can. Yeah, extreme right? empathy. I like and, that. And understand that that each individual will still have their own life. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's and so for us it's a it's a it's a quest of what well, can I can I know myself, right? That's all it is. Life is a school and that's the primary lesson. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Who awesome. the hell are you? I never know when I do interviews, I never know where it's going to go. You know, Good. for some, it's it's like, well, this is how I succeeded in business. And this is awesome. And for us, it's like deep life lessons, deep life lessons. Yeah. And it's really, I think that's so important. What's your big next? What's your big, for you personally, your big next action step besides, you know, prepping a, a meal for your family today? What's your big next <laughs> action step? Well, two things. We talked about the feature, um, but I want to start doing keynotes. So that's the, that's going to be the next thing for me. Start awesome. doing keynote keynote talks. I'm working on the approach and the topic, but uh, that's that's the next big thing because I I really feel like the uh, podcast has given me a great platform to talk to a lot of people over these uh, elect through these electric circuits, and now I can go and talk to four, five, six. 2,000, 3,000 people um, 
in person and, and really touch them that way. So uh, I think that's the next thing. Yeah. That's awesome. So good. Anything, anything else you want to share insights or challenges or how people reach you, any of that? Insights or challenges? Let me see. Well, I would say in terms of insights, anybody listening, all the things that we've talked about today, it just takes daily, a daily dedication to yourself. And that's it. It's a daily thing. And that's, that's where I got tripped up for so many years that I would do it for maybe two, three days. And then I think about it, go back into my, you know, self-loathing for, you know, another month and then come back to it. So, and when I say stay with it, it doesn't mean you have successes every single day. It just means that you're dedicated to spending time on that process, whatever it is. I mean, we can't necessarily get into the weeds of it right now, but in terms of just working on those things that you want to work on to better yourself, whether it be spiritually, physically, mentally. Hal Elrod actually has a pretty good book that that talks about this sort of concept of sort of a daily prayer for yourself. Not that you're praying for yourself, but you're you're giving attention to yourself in a specific way. Just be patient with yourself. Have some daily dedication every day. Doesn't mean you, you need to be perfect, but at least have it in your in your psyche every day. And I'm still challenged, just things that I'm still challenged with that at least I know that if I fall down, I'm going to try to get up and I'm going to, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep pushing forward. People want to reach me, they can go to uh, www.thetruthprescription.com. I'm also on Instagram at the truth prescription podcast and Twitter at Dr. Gathers. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's it for the moment. That's fabulous. For the minute. That's fabulous. Daily dedication to yourself, I think is a great bottom line, you know, that it's like, you won't have, you won't have the big wins every day, but you know what? Getting through a day is sometimes the win. Yeah. And so, yeah. Right? so daily dedication to yourself, I yeah. think is huge. At the end um, of the day, if you can just, even if it was like a horrible day, you, you know, had ice cream and apple pie for dinner, you screamed at your spouse, like the whole nutritionally, every, the whole day you didn't work out, the whole day was terrible. If you could at least just remember, just hold on to that little piece of either self-love or self-reflection or the little piece of something at the end of that day, it, it's a win. It's a win. It's a win. So good. <laughs> Let's leave it there. That's yeah. awesome. Hold on to that little piece. Okay. Yeah. Dr. Gathers, thetruthprescription.com, the Truth Prescription Podcast. All that will be in the show notes. Thank you right. so much. For Thank joining you, Dr. Me. P. Appreciate All you. Right. Let's 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 Dr. get that sorted out. In the house. <laughs> it's good. Cut good through stuff. the bullshit. Let's do it. Well, this is one sharp sword cutting through to what matters most. Thank you for listening. Ooh.